You're listening to the Biz Library Podcast, a weekly discussion of important topics that affect both HR and learning and development professionals. Biz Library is dedicated to creating the best and most complete online learning solution that both engages employees and drives business results. For more resources like this podcast, be sure to head over to our website where you'll find up-to-date ebooks, infographics, and other resources, as well as SHRM and HRCI-approved webinars focused on creating better workplaces through great human resource practices and employee development. Hello, and welcome to the Biz Library Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Smith. And I'm Hannah Brenner. Today, we're joined by Deanna Dean to talk about creating high-functioning teams. Thanks for coming today. Well, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Not a problem, of course. Um, Just so our audience gets a better idea of who you are, Deanna, Deanna started her career in learning and development as a production trainer on the factory floor, moving into a position of supporting major company initiatives through training, and then into human resources as an HR generalist with a specialty area of training and development. Deanna has worked with her current employer in beautiful Baraboo, Wisconsin, for six years. Her responsibilities include developing or outsourcing training on a variety of topics, including safety, leadership, lean manufacturing, software, and technical processes. She's also active in the ATD Madison area chapter in Wisconsin, serving as the vice president of membership for three years. So thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule once again for being here. Um, Today we're talking about creating high-functioning teams. we we chose you to talk on this because you delivered a great presentation at Align, which is our client conference. Can you sort of just summarize, um, you know, how we identify high-functioning teams, what they are, and, and why we want them? Sure. Well, um, high-functioning teams are teams that are working together very effectively. And um, in general, maybe they're hard to identify because people might think it means something differently than it does, in my opinion. Um, In my opinion, it's more about how the team members are getting along. And if you can get to that point where they're all getting along and they're all interacting very successfully, it's going to be a high-functioning team. You can Google what you need to have a high-functioning team, and it's going to give you all kinds of things, like they're going to need a charter, they're going to need a common purpose, they're going to need um, ground rules, they're going to need all of these things. And that's great, and it's true that they need those things. But you're leaving out the human aspect. So, yes, that's the what, but the real question that needs to be answered, in my opinion, is the how. So how are you going to get all of those pieces to work um, so the team actually is able to function at a high level and become self-directed? So I, I'm curious then what man, what the role of the manager is then on a high-functioning team. Um, are they more active, you know, in, in the maybe ground level with those employees working, or are they managing sort of um, from a, a different place and, and just sort of watching these processes occur? What is the manager, uh, what role does the manager play in this process? Well, ideally, um, the manager, once they're uh, high-functioning and self-directed, the manager can kind of step back. And the team will come to that manager when there's an issue that they need help resolving. Initially, however, it's it's quite dependent on the manager. He's got to be able to uh, put together teams with the right skill sets. And then it's easy to pick the right skill sets. But what you have to do is make sure that the individual team members 
create some kind of a personal connection and understand each other. It's the human piece, I think, is the reason a lot of these teams don't wind up becoming self-directed and and don't really understand how to work together effectively. Definitely. And so during your Align presentation, you broke the how, as you mentioned, you broke that down into kind of three pieces um, of cooperation, engagement, and leadership. So if you don't mind, I want to spend some time to unpack some of those. So starting with kind of your first part of cooperation, how do you do that? How do you get there when there's so many personalities to manage depending on the size of your team? Right. So um, what the approach that I took was to get the whole team together and maybe eventually they would break down into sub teams, but I took a whole work team. So uh, it was about a dozen people. And what I, my goal was to come up with something that would make them think about each other more as human beings and unlock some of that maybe unconscious bias that they had, that they didn't realize they had, um, and, you know, make them look at each other as more humans, realize that we're all really alike. So I came up with uh, a list of what I called personalities, but they're probably more behaviors than actual personalities, and I gave them all names, and I enlisted the help of uh, the supervisor and some other uh key people from the team to help me in little uh, uh, mini enactments. So, for instance, we had the, the uh, personality that we called the bad news bear, and uh, <laughs> we had uh, somebody uh, go up to somebody and pretend that they were, oh, I'm really excited. I just got invited to my cousin's wedding in Chicago. I can't wait to go there. And the bad news bear, person playing the bad news bear, responded with something along the lines of, um, oh, I wouldn't want to go to Chicago. You can get shot just for walking down the street there. Have you read the newspapers lately? You know, that kind of thing. So uh, that was the one of the personalities, the bad news bears. We had the gossip monger and the drama queens or kings and the chicken littles and the victims. And uh, so we did a little skit, fun skit with um, – with each of those different personalities, um, they all really enjoyed it. There was a lot of laughing and a lot of uh, uh, elbow nudging and, you know, a little fun going on in the room. And we wound that up with just saying, okay, so uh, which one of these personalities do you think you are? And they immediately got it and they all said, you know, all of them, we're all, all of them. So then we were able to move into... So if you realize that you're all of them, do you think that you can catch yourself when you fall into one of these kind of traps? Because if I have a day where I'm going to play the victim, um, I kind of see that coming usually. And I, and I want to deny it, of course. But if you can catch yourself, um, then you can kind of stop being that way for the day. And we also, uh, the rest of the people, we ask them, do you think that if you see somebody falling into one of those traps, if they're getting too negative or if they're, you know, becoming the chicken little and the sky is falling on them or something like that, you have the power to stop somebody from going there. So we did a little exercise on 
what you would say to somebody who is responding in the way that maybe the bad news bear person would respond. And they all came up with like really good ideas of how to do it in a caring and gentle way. And we don't want to uh, alienate anyone <laughs> or make somebody ill at ease. Uh, but I think that that was the first start where I started to build that cooperation piece was that they could help each other out of those moods or those um, behaviors when, when they start happening. And I think they started to rely on each other to do that a little bit. So this particular training piece only took about 15 minutes. And um, I think that they trusted each other a little bit more at that point to help each other out of those um, kinds of situations. What about this next aspect, which is engagement? Um, mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about how engagement and cooperation really go hand in hand and then um, how we sort of foster engagement in a, in a team that's becoming high functioning? Yeah, sure. Um, the engagement piece, uh, I think, is just growing on the cooperation piece. So, you know, you start, you lay that groundwork with the cooperation and then in the next meeting that I did with this same group, um, we allowed a, more time. We allowed an hour um, we tried to make it a really pleasant place to be. We used our best conference room and um, we had snacks and coffee and juice and all of that kind of good stuff. And then we um, we just recapped a little bit about those personalities and went on to talk about um, how we were leading into how everybody's a leader. So I'm already kind of grabbing that leadership piece a little bit mm -hmm. uh, and and so one of the things we talked about was, you know, you've all got your own story. So you're a leader with this, you know, you have strengths with this and you're a leader with that. You have strengths with that. Um, but every single person here is a leader. So then we talked about if, you know, you're a leader, then probably something happened along the way in your life that made you start looking at things a different way. So I asked people to start sharing those stories. And I started with my story um, just to get them started. And then they all were telling their own stories. So, you know, some of them were sad. Um, some of them were pretty amazing. Um, and suddenly, even the people that weren't speaking were leaning forward. They were listening. They were nodding. Um, People were uh, patting people on the back if they got emotional about their story. It was it was maybe the most successful uh, training session that I've ever done. Uh, but they were engaged. Every single person there was engaged. And they all now knew something about each other that they didn't know before. So it was just a deeper, deeper level of that cooperation piece. And uh, you could see the whole you know, numbers started going up as far as productivity in the department. Um, everything was looking better and better. So we took about an hour to do that. We played um, um, Aretha Franklin's success or uh, respect song. Um, we did a lot of fun things in there. Uh, everybody had a great time. Feedback on the uh, uh, training session was great. And I think it made really a difference. And everybody was just a little bit more engaged in everything they were doing from then on. 
So I'm interested to know, because it sounds like you had a ton of success with both of your workshops, but for our listeners out there who have that one team member in mind where you know they're going to be the Debbie Downer, they're not going to participate, they are the person who shows up, gets their paycheck, does isn't at work to make friends. How do you handle having that negativity in the room while ch- still trying to get the point across about, you know, the engagement, working together, how you're going to function better as a team? Well, that's a very good question. <laughs> and I, I don't know that I have a single answer for that, but I will say that one of the things I talk about in these training sessions is people that I refer to as negative influencers. So they're going to be everywhere, right? And you can't get through life without those people being a part of it. And if you're going to make that your main focus and you're going to lose sight of other goals and things that you want to do because of a person who is just dissatisfied and would be happy to make everybody else dissatisfied as well, then you're missing out on some really good things. So my my advice to team members is to uh, don't pay any attention to the naysayers. Continue forward with what you have going. If you can bring them along, great. But if it continues and continues, I wouldn't waste my energy on that when you've got a really a great thing going, that aside. So don't let it affect the, the way the rest of the team works. I mean, don't give up right away, I guess, you know, try to bring them along if you can. But if you can't, don't let it stop your forward progress. Um, I want to ask you then about, like, the selection of teams. So you mentioned um, that's a part of it, and maybe as you as these teams evolve, they become sub-teams. But what are some of the characteristics and traits that you find um, help people work well together? Are there any, or, or do you think anyone could be part of a high-functioning team together? Well, I think anyone can be. I think it takes a little bit more work for some people than other people. So, I mean, clearly you want to look for people that are open uh, if you can. But what I find sometimes is is I've had this who knew moment so many times in my life where you invite somebody to be a part of the team and you had no idea that they were as deep or as talented or anything as, as you knew they were. Until they get into a team, they get a certain task assigned or something, and they blow it out of the water, and nobody really even knew that that person had had either that kind of energy or that kind of talent or that kind of attention to detail or whatever it is. So I wouldn't limit who's on a team. Mm-hmm. I think that the better you know from a manager's perspective, the better you know your people, the better team you can put together. But throw one in there that you're not sure about sometimes. You might get a really pleasant surprise. I think that's how we all feel about Derek. So, you know, great example. (laughs) Joking, Mm -hmm. of course. (laughs) Well, so you started to touch on that last piece of leadership. But, um, you know, did you then have a whole other workshop to talk about leadership once people talked about what made them leaders or was all of that rolled in with the engagement workshop? No, I had one more thing actually, and I have not yet had the chance to actually roll this out 
um, here, but I did it at a, a prior company at one point. And I do this activity that's uh, called running your own business. So uh, it's very interactive and very hands-on, and you get some um, tinkered toys, or it could be a, a, I like to use a marble run. You create, like, the towers, and then you see if the marble makes it all the way down. I don't know. It's a kid's toy, so maybe you don't know what I mean. But um, it comes with instructions on how to put, like, several different towers together, and you uh, break into groups and their teams, and... um, they're each building the same tower. So, you know, it sounds like it's going to be easy, but then you have what I call the the voice of reality coming in. And they'll come up to a team and say, um, okay, oh, quality control just called. All of the red blocks are being held on deviation, so you can't use any of the red pieces. And then they have to come up with some way to make it work without the red pieces. And then, you know, later on, I'll say, okay, they were, you know, they were accepted. You can use them again and just see how they reacted and, you know, what they had to to do to make it work. Sometimes you'll come and take a team member away and say, um, Susie's daughter's school just called. She's got to go to the school. And then they have a person that's not helping anymore. So you just run through that. And it can end, you know, however you want it to end. It can be time-based or it can be, you know, just once you feel the lesson has been learned. Um, but I let them build the whole towers first because it's fun to watch the marbles go <laughs> down. <laughs> and we also use the, the yes and exercise because it, you guys are familiar with that, right? It's a, um improv tool. So mm-hmm. you start by saying something and then the next person has to move on from there, continue the story. And, you know, the the foundation of it is that it always makes you open. You don't close anything down. You're making it open. You're making it continue going. And it's, it's kind of an attitude thing more than anything. And I think that it just ties right into the leadership piece. So I think that once, uh, once they've gone through these three, three workshops, most people are, you know, kind of ready to, uh, ready to direct teams themselves without a lot of help from management level. So speaking of managers, and I know Derek brought up the manager's role at the beginning, how do you get managers to buy into this? Because you're talking about taking people off the production floor or away from their desks to do workshops that people don't always understand the value in. So how do you go about addressing this with managers to get them on board, fully committed to this process so that their teams can become more high-functioning? Yeah, that is the challenge. And I think for anybody that works, maybe especially in manufacturing, I don't really know, um, getting the buy-in from the management team so that they will allow the time off the floor because, you know, uh, let's be realistic. We're really here because of the product that we make or the servers that we provide or whatever it is. So it isn't always deemed the top priority. So the best thing that, that you can do, um, it's not easy, but I think if you can collect data and show numbers um, that prove that what you're doing has a return, 
That's great. Um, we did recently uh, a continuous improvement training for, we put 161 employees through this training. They divided into teams and each team actually completed a project. And they were, uh, they were the projects were not, you know, um, fixing my mother's chocolate cake recipe. They were real projects that they would use right here on our production floor. So, you know, I was able to take the, the measurements of the before and after on all of those projects and actually show, you know, dollars saved by going through this training. So it's, uh, that's maybe the best way that you can bring managers on board. And after you've done that a couple of times, I think they trust you a little bit more and they're more willing to, uh, to go along with whatever your next training <laughs> scheme might be. <laughs> So that actually is a, is a good segue into my next question, which is, are these sort of team building exercises where you maybe are focusing on, on building relationships? Are they something that's con- continuous? Or once those teams are self-directed, do you think those relationships and sort of the newcomer um, welcome phase, do you think those are, are self-directed as well? Do you think those relationships grow organically or does it require more um, training intervention? Well, probably some of both. But I think when a culture has been created, unless you're bringing on the whole bunch of people at once, you know, if there's been an acquisition or something like that, and they're coming from, you know, a large group of people are coming from an entirely different culture, then you have to kind of uh, start over, I would say, and bring them in. But when people are coming in, you know, one or two at a time, and you've got a really strong culture built, they're going to fall into that pretty organically, I think. Um, we have a really strong safety culture here and um, new people coming in, I think they get that pretty much right away. But I still do a couple hours of training for each of those new people as well on, you know, what what we see as the most important piece of safety. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I guess I didn't answer that very well. I think that maybe it's, it's a little of this and a little of that. Sure. Is there anything, <laughs> Deanna, that... Um that you think we've we've missed that we need to cover? Oh, I don't think so. I know that in my presentation, I talk quite a bit about the science of positive psychology. So um, I talked to, that's really important to me in that I don't think that people realize that you have a choice uh, on whether you're going to be negative or positive, And there are things that you can do. There's a whole science about it. Like um, I think one of the examples that I used is, this three strangers were put in a group facing each other without talking for two minutes and two of the people were unexpressive and one was expressive. Okay, so basically facial expression. And they, uh, that what it turned out, and I don't have all the scientific words for it necessarily, but um, it was a real study. The unexpressive ones were influenced by the expressive person, whether the expression was happy or sad or grouchy or whatever it might be. And they call that emotional contagion. So probably, Derek, you going around and saying hi makes people smile a little bit. And if that person's smiling, then somebody else is going to smile. It's contagious. And uh, it actually will make a difference in a person's day. At people pick up on your facial, you know, uh, expressions, your vocal tones, your body language, your expression. All of that stuff is really important. So 
I think that that also helps teams. Probably not a bad idea to start your team meeting with a joke or a <laughs> or just something good that happened to you that day or something like that. But um, I just enjoy looking at things from a human aspect. Uh, and I think that it makes everything else go a little bit smoother if you do. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We really did appreciate it. And I think we maybe will have to have you back to talk about positive psychology a little bit more in depth, if that's okay with you. I'd love to. I could bring a friend who's an actual scientist who is now works in nothing but uh, positive psychology, too. Sounds Perfect. awesome. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll be in touch. Well, thank you so much, Deanna. Thank you. I'll see you soon. We'll see you. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Deanna Dean. Here are three takeaways from this week's discussion. First, teach employees how they can work together. Second, central to the success of all high-functioning teams is the relationships that individuals have with each other. And third, let teams learn to work together, and after a while, they'll become self-directed. This podcast is brought to you by Biz Library, your online learning partner. For more information, visit us online at www.bizlibrary.com resources. Every week, we like to spotlight one of the free resources Biz Library offers to help our listeners master the concepts and our key takeaways. This week, check out our free ebook called Connected Leadership, How to Invest in Your Management Teams. You can find the link to this ebook in the show notes or on the Biz Library website on the resources page. If you'd like to appear on the Biz Library podcast or suggest a topic for discussion, visit us on Twitter at Biz Library or email us at hannah at bizlibrary.com. Don't forget to click subscribe, leave a rating on iTunes, and share this episode with friends through social media. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm Derek Smith. And I'm Hannah Brenner. See you next week.